you take your Bibles, please, the book of Genesis, chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2 is right after Genesis chapter number 1. Should be easy to find. It's the first book in the Bible. Aren't you glad you've got a Bible? 66 books, 1,189 chapters, thereabouts. And it's all the Word of God. These are not all of the words of God. John's gospel said the world couldn't contain the books if it were all written. But these are all the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's what God wants us to know. Amen. I, I hear people talking about how God don't speak to them. And what they mean is, is they want some extra biblical revelation. They want God to say something to them that he didn't say in here. I'll quote the old songwriter who said, What more can he say than to you he hath said? Somebody say amen. It's everything he wants us to know right there. Thank God for the book. Would you look with me? Genesis is probably the most important book in your Bible. I say probably. Uh, it's, the, of course, the first book in your Bible. And you, you students of the Bible, you know that Genesis uh, is not the first uh, as far as chronological order. You do know that our Bible is not given to us chronologically. Uh, most, most scholars agree that the book of Job would be first. And, uh, and, and, and because it predates the writing of Genesis. But, uh, but Genesis is there on purpose. Did you know that God put Genesis first and Revelation last on purpose? You know, it's, it's interesting to me when you give a lost man the Bible, he immediately flips to the book of Revelation. Cheaters. I bet they did that in school too. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, and but but there's some things you need to learn before you get to the book of Revelation. Help me, somebody. There are things that God intends for us to know by the time we get there. And so here we are in the first book of the Bible. Although I do believe that there, the devil would be content to give you a canon of Scripture with 64 books if he could take out the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. You see, because Genesis tells us where we came from and Revelation tells us where we're going. <laughs> you give me a group of folks that know where they came from and know where they're going, it don't matter what really happens in the middle. Amen. Are you in Genesis 2? I gave you extra time. Oh, hallelujah. It's homecoming. It's homecoming. And I bet there's chicken casserole and potato casserole and green bean casserole and sweet potato casserole and casserole casserole. I can't wait. <laughs> Amen. But let's look at our Bibles just for a minute. Pastor, thank you for letting us come. Thank you for letting my family sing. If you notice my grand boys back there, y'all feel free to look at them. Amen. Ain't they something? I'm runt. I'm a grandpa now. And that's really all I care about anymore. But uh, Genesis chapter number 2. And uh, I'd like to begin our reading. Let's pick up our reading in verse number 4. We'll read down to verse number 8. And then skip over into the chapter. I've got four things I'd like to show you 
out of Genesis chapter number 2. Four things, is that all right? Uh, out of Genesis chapter number 2. Chapter number 2 and verse number 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden in east, eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. I'm going to stop there in verse number 8. Jump over with me into the chapter. And let's pick up our reading in verse number 15. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make for him an help meet for him. I'm going to stop reading there in verse number 18. Would you pray with me and pray for me? Our Father, thank you for the reading of the Word of God. I want to thank you, Lord, this morning for the gathering together of the people of God. I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd walk us through the pages of your Bible. I pray you'd take us by the hand and show us things and tell us things. And Lord, get glory out of the preaching time and we'll thank you for it. We'll, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to notice with me that we're in Genesis chapter number 2. And we're in Genesis chapter number 2. I'm stressing because it's before Genesis chapter 3. I may not get an honorary doctorate for that statement, but I'm going to say it again. We're preaching out of Genesis chapter number 2, which is before Genesis chapter 3. Now, you know what happens in Genesis chapter number 3. Satan attacks mankind and sin enters in and twists and warps and ruins everything. Did you know that everything that you and I have to put up with is a is a direct result of Genesis chapter number three. If you've ever had a pain in your body, it's because of Genesis chapter number three. If you've ever gone to the hospital because of sickness, it's because of Genesis three. If you've ever had to go to the, to the funeral home or to the graveyard and say goodbye to a loved 
loved one. It's because of Genesis chapter number three. You see, because in chapter number three, Satan attacks and sin enters. And I want to say to you that sin ruins everything. Do you know why the preacher's always jumping up and down and hollering about not getting into sin? Because if, if you get into sin, sin's liable to get into you. And if sin gets into you, it ruins everything. Sin will wreck everything. And so it is. You and I do not have the privilege of knowing what life was before Genesis chapter 3. We live on the wrong side of Genesis chapter number 3. We don't know what life was intended. By the way, let me say this to you tonight, this morning, that God did not intend for life to be hard. He He did not intend for us to struggle our way through life. Help me somebody. He didn't intend for folks to grow old. He didn't intend for folks to get sick. He didn't intend for folks to die. That's not God's plan. Help me somebody. He he had a life above the ordinary in mind for mankind. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more, hallelujah, more abundant. There is an abundant life that God has in mind for us. We don't know what life was like before the fall of mankind. And blow but somebody don't go to bed on me now because one of these days in the not so distant future when Emmanuel Victor shall return when he splits the eastern sky wide open and thunders out of heaven upon a white stallion splits the north splits the Mount of Olives walk across the Kidron Valley sets down on the on the throne of his father David hallelujah and the government shall be upon his shoulder they'll beat their spears into play there's there's their swords in the spreading the, the plow spears. I have whatever you know what I'm talking about. They'll beat their hallelujah. They'll learn war no more. I got tongue tied. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. Help me, somebody. Yeah, well, anyway. We don't know what life was meant to be, but if you'll keep on living, if you're saved by the grace of God, you're going to enter into that glad day, into that eternal rest, into that glad day that God, hallelujah, there's a day coming, praise God, where sin's going to be put on hold, where Satan's going to be bound, and thank God things will be like things ought to be. But until then, you and I have got to live in a fallen society. And I want to share with you some things out of Genesis chapter number 2. Some gifts that God gave to mankind. And God gave us these gifts in Genesis chapter number 2. And God is not in the business of taking back things that he's given us. Ain't you glad God? Ain't you glad God will give you something and won't take it back? Help me somebody. If you're saved by the grace of God, he gave you that gift, but he ain't taking it back. Help me somebody. You can can not worry about that. There are gifts that God gave mankind in Genesis 2 that although Satan attacks them and sin twists them, we still got them. I want to share them with you very quickly before we go eat the casseroles. Look at the first one, Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. 
and, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. I want you to understand something that Genesis chapter number two is a, a parenthetical passage going back into Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one is an outline of the seven days of creation and Genesis chapter number two is, a, is more detail. It gives a greater detail specifically of day number six when God created man and here the Bible said that he he formed man of the dust of the ground that's not dirt somebody say amen you can do things with dirt I like the dirt bag jokes too but let's be true to the word of God he's not talking about forming man of dirt you can grow tomatoes in dirt you can do a lot of things with dirt but uh, that's not what the Bible said God formed man out of. Rather, it was dust. Do you know what dust is good for? Nothing. That's absolutely useless. It's useless and worthless. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see what's happening here in Genesis chapter number two? When the Lord God formed the earth, he spoke it into existence. He sat upon his throne in heaven and never lifted a finger. He just simply said, let there be light and there was light. God spoke the worlds into existence. Everything that there is that you see, God never left the throne. He just simply said it and it was. And that's exactly how it happened. But oh, oh day number six, when it came, he said, let us make man in our image. Now I see God get up off the throne, lay aside his robes, roll up his sleeves and find the lowest place he could find. By the way, you know, dust settles in the lowest place that there is. He got down in the lowest place that there was and scooped up a bunch of useless material, something nobody else wanted, something nobody else can do anything with, and he scooped it up and, hallelujah, formed mankind. Their man lay lifeless, lifeless until God... It's one thing where he came down to where the dust was. But he even got down even lower. He got down and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Hallelujah. Do you know the first garden gift, the first thing that God gave to mankind is the breath of life. He gave us the breath of life. It's a little piece of paradise. It's a little slice of heaven. It's a little bit of himself that God imparted into mankind. Hallelujah. Now Satan attacks it and sin twists it, but we still got it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when God goes to save a man, I'll tell you something, all the things that are going on in the world, he never leaves the throne. He never lifts a finger. Help me somebody. He ain't drinking Maylocks. He ain't worried about the economy. He's not worried about inflation. Can I get a witness? It ain't getting a rise out of him. He's not wringing his hands wondering what's going to happen in this world. He never leaves the throne. If he wants something done, he just speaks it and it happens. That's how God operates. 
But did you know that every time it comes to save somebody, hallelujah, I can see him getting up off the throne, taking off his royal robes, rolling up his sleeves, and getting down there in the lowest place you can find. And he gets the most useless, worthless material, something that nobody else wants. Hallelujah. And he puts his hands in it, and he breathes into you the, the, the breath of life. That's how you got saved. That's how you got saved. You still got it. You've still got that breath of life in you. Sin, Satan attacks it. Sin twists it. But we still got it. If you're saved by the grace of God, you'll always be saved by the grace of God. Help me somebody. There ain't a devil in hell that can do anything about it. Do you know that when God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, there's not an eraser. Listen, I said, well, what about that? What about that part in Revelation 22 where it says he'll, he'll remove their name from the book of life? That's not what it says. I've heard people misquote that verse so many times. That's not what it says. It says he'll take away their part. There's a big difference between somebody's opportunity to get saved being taken away. Help me somebody. Help me somebody. That's like them reprobates in Romans chapter number one. Help me y'all. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's like somebody reaching the end of the limit and God not dealing with them. All our Calvinist cousins are worried about God and Pharaoh's relationship. How the Bible said he hardened Pharaoh, he hardened Pharaoh's heart three times. Well, read the first part of that story, and you'll find out that before God ever hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart three times before God ever hardened his heart. Help me somebody. Kind of like when my mama caught me smoking when I was a boy. Help me somebody. Yeah, yeah, she made me smoke a whole pack of cigarettes at one time. Do y'all know there's 20 cigarettes in a pack? 20! Cool 100s. They're that long and that big around, and they got Ben Gay smeared in them. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Well, well, I'm going to tell you something, honey. God will not give you eternal life and then take it away from you. I like what John chapter number 10 said. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Never. You know what the Greek word means? You know what that Greek, that Masoretic, excuse me, that Cornet Greek word means never? It means never. Huh? If you want to study it in Cornet, in, in uh, Masoretic Hebrew, guess what the Hebrew word never means? Guess what it means? Never Huh? Russian means never. Mandarin Chinese, it means never. Pig Latin, ever nay. Ever nay. means never. Never at one point in time ever can it ever stop or it ceases to be eternal by definition. All I'm trying to tell you is you relax, honey. If you're saved by the grace of God, you might not be good, but God is. If you're saved by the grace of God, you might not be faithful, but God is. If you're saved by the grace of God, you ain't got to worry about going to hell. Somebody, somebody, you think it's a license to sin? Try it and find out. God will take you out behind the woodshed and wear your hind end out. Help me, somebody. No, he's a good father. Oh, he never takes away that breath of life. It's a gift from the garden. 
It's a piece of paradise. It's a, it's a little slice of heaven, something that God gave us. He gave us the breath of life. Now, I want you to look at your Bible. I've got three more of these I'm going to just mention quickly. Look at verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man. I'm going to say this before I read this verse. That we're in Genesis chapter 2, which is before Genesis chapter 3. I may confer upon my own self an honorary doctrine. Be about as useful as all those other ones that everybody's handing out like so much paperwork. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. To dr- Why did God put Adam in the garden? To dress it and to keep it. He gave us the breath of life. Number two, he gave us the blessing of labor. Oh, I got to explain myself right here, don't I? You see, for most folks, work is a four-letter word. Huh? I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You think, well, that's just a sweat of your brow. That's it. That's that Genesis 3 business. I know what sin did to it. Sin entered in and twisted it, and Satan attacked it. But I'm going to tell you something. God gave man a job in Genesis chapter number 2. You see, we got the wrong impression about this whole thing. That God, that when we die, we go to heaven, we're going to float around on clouds with little, with little diapers on and cherub wings and halos and playing golden harps. Help me, somebody. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's high church. <laughs> I forgot where I was at. We get the impression that we're going to be laid up on the right bank of the river of life with a pair of Liberty bib overalls on, top buttons flopping, no shirt, heavy somebody, with, no, with a string tied around her big toe and then in the water, heavy tug every now and then. Can I get a witness? Twelve manner of fish. Y'all, come on. Y'all ain't. Come on. That's redneck. That's redneck heaven for you right there. Hear the coon dog in the tree of life. Ooh, that's, that's redneck heaven right there. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I forgot where I was at there for a minute. I want to relate and everything. That's not exactly true. We're not going to sit around and not do nothing. We're not going to sit around and not do nothing. You know what? That was, that was the sin of Sodom. Oh, I know you know, I know. I know what you think the sin of Sodom is. That's a result. That was a result of God giving them over to do things not convenient, Romans chapter number one. That was a result. Their sin was the fullness of bread, the idleness of time, and they were not thankful. That's what America is right now. Idleness of time, the fullness of bread, the idleness of time, and we're not thankful. And if God did what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah, reckon what's going to happen. Maybe, that's, maybe that answers the question why America is not found in end time prophecy. Help me somebody. Are y'all mad about it? Don't get upset about it. America might not be found in end time prophecy, but the church is. Yeah. Help me somebody. Yeah. Y'all know where my loyalties lie. Can I get a witness? Amen. I'm proud to be an American, honey. I mean, I'll take a bullet for the red, white, and blue. In, like the leg or, or the shoulder, <laughs> not the torso area. <laughs> I'm proud to be American, but I'm, hey, hallelujah. I'm glad I'm a part of the church. Amen. The church is in end-time prophecy. One of my favorite Bible writers is a fellow old writer named Ethelbert. That's why I started reading him. I thought, man, his mama didn't love him. Named him Ethelbert. 
I felt sorry for him. E.W. Bullinger, and he wrote a commentary on the book of Revelation. And here's what he said. He said, the church is not found anywhere in the book of Revelation. I thought, my stars. Chapter 2 and 3 is full of them. There's seven churches in them two chapters. Help me somebody. Yeah, who do you think that bride is in Revelation 19? Help me somebody. That's us, honey. That's us. That's the church. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be part of the church. Oh, my. He gave us the blessing of labor. Somebody said, preacher, do you believe in bivocational preachers? I believe in tri-vocational preachers. I think some of them ought to try to get a job every now and again. Huh? <laughs> do you know it's God's will for us to work? Help me, somebody. And that's not part of the curse. The curse, sin entered and twisted it, but that's part of, that's a gift from the garden. That's God's gift to the garden. Oh, I ain't got time to talk about it. I ain't got time to talk about it. But you know how you feel after, a, after you get done with a hard day's work? Hey, man. My mama lied on me when I was a 14-year-old boy. She carried me up to the top of Dayton Mountain in, in, in Dayton, Tennessee. At the top of Dayton Mountain, there's tomato fields as far as the eye can see. Tomato fields. I'm surprised I like tomatoes after this debacle. <laughs> she, she took us up there to that tomato farmer. And I was standing there minding my own business and my mama put me in the car and carried me up there and she told the worst lie on me that's ever been told. She told that man, she said, my son wants to work. (laughs) I whipped around and looked at her. I was thinking, no, I was thinking I was going to play Legends of Zelda all summer. (laughs) Hey, somebody. (laughs) She said, my son wants to work. And he said, yes, ma'am, we've got plenty of it. He looked at me and said, boy. I said, my name's Bud. He said, boy, get to work. I thought I was going to pick tomatoes. I've seen them pick tomatoes. You know, I, I probably could pick tomatoes. Nope, no. Nope. He sent me to the cucumber fields. That is the seventh level of Dante's Inferno. Right there at the bottom. Right at the bottom of the worst place in hell is going to be a tomato. It's going to be a cucumber patch, and real bad sinners, ones that's real bad. I'm talking about burns puppies and stuff. Is going to have to go down there and pick tomatoes for eternity. Oh, my back hurts thinking about. I said tomatoes, didn't I? Cucumbers. I wish I could pick tomatoes. It was cucumbers. I looked over that field. He said, "You going to pick your ever cucumber in here." Dear stars. And I was all by myself. I wished I could have got coronavirus. <laughs> but unfortunately, they were still cooking that up in the lab. I, I wanted to have some help. But unfortunately, the borders were closed at the time, and I had to do it by myself. Come on, come on. Boy, I dreaded that thing, preacher. I dreaded it. I stood there, and there was a big old oak tree right there at the front of that patch. I leaned up against it, and I'm going to be honest with you, I cried a little. Huh? I looked at that patch. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to play Legends of Zelda. My next-door neighbor just got a brand-new Nintendo. We was going to wire that thing out, play till my thumbs had blisters. I got blisters that year. But it wasn't from playing Legends of Zelda. But you know what happened to me when I got to the other end of that, that cucumber patch? And I looked back over that thing and I'd done good. That man handed me my first paycheck. Help me somebody. Praise God. 
You know what happened to me? And it wasn't because I had the money. It's because I completed the task. Something welled up inside of me. Some, some, something happened on the inside of me. I, I, I didn't know really what it was back then, but I know what it is now. God put that in us. God put that in us. After a hard job, after, a, after doing something that's hard and worth it, honey, there's a sense of accomplishment. It's a little piece of paradise. It's a slice of heaven. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of a garden gift. You know why they're so, they have so much anxiety and depression? Nobody wants to talk about this statistic that suicide, the suicide rate has gone way up. I don't know if they're still doing it in Kentucky, but they're still doing it in the state of Alabama. Did you know that the state of Alabama three years later after the coronavirus shut everything down and they started sending people $600 a week unemployment checks, help me somebody, to not go to work. Did you know that three years later they're still sending people $300, $600 a week not to go to work? That means people are getting paid more money to not go to work than they would to go to work. Help me, somebody. That's a messed up situation. That's a messed up situation. By the way, there's no such thing as free stuff. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Help me, somebody. That's why we think Facebook's free. No, Facebook's not free. You're the you're the product. You're the product. And you don't, you got to listen, you are a twisted government. Our government's so twisted, it'll say to a young lady, now if you, I'm going to keep it rated B for Bible, but you'll understand what I'm getting at. If you'll get pregnant out of wedlock, we'll pay, we'll pay, we'll give you a check every month for the rest of your life. We'll pay for the baby. We'll pay for your housing. We'll give you everything you need for the rest of your life. And the more children you have, the more money you're going to get. Here's the deal. The minute you get a job, the minute you get a job, the deal's off. Oh, help me somebody. That's twisted. That's messed up. You know what God gave to us out of the Garden of Eden? He gave us the breath of life. And number two, he gave us the blessing of labor. God intended mankind to work. In Genesis chapter number two, before the fall, before the fall of mankind, Adam's job, he put a hole, he put a rake in his hand and a hole in his hand and said, now get to work. Hmm. Blessing of labor. Oh, look at verse 16 and 17. He gave him a Bible to live. Here's what it says in verse number 16. The Lord God commanded the man. Here's the first commandments of God. The first commandments of God in the Bible. Every tree of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That was the, that was the, that was Adam's Bible was not even two verses, a verse and a half. A verse and a half, that's Adam's Bible. And God intended man to live by that Bible. And if you don't think Satan don't attack it and sin don't twist it, look at Genesis chapter number three. In my Bible, they're right across from each other. Genesis chapter number three, the serpent came and dealt with Eve and says in verse number two, Yea, hath God said, he called into question the word of God. By the way, Satan has always attacked the word of God. Amen. Satan is a slanderer. We saw him slander the Savior in Matthew chapter number four. He says, if thou be the son of God, 
you lying, slick tongue. Help me, somebody. You know who he was. You know who he is. You know where he came from, if thou be the Son of God. By the way, if Satan tried to get Jesus to doubt his salvation, who won't he mess with? Can I get a wit? If thou be the Son of God. What a slander. He slandered the Savior. He slandered the saints in Genesis, in Job chapter number one. Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his own life. Touch his body and he'll curse you to your face. Job chapter number one. Oh my, slandered the Savior in Matthew four. Slandered the saints in Job chapter one. Slandered the scriptures. In Genesis 3, yea, hath God said, oh my. And then Eve misquoted the Bible. Look at what Eve said, God said. He said, we shall, uh, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, that don't sound like what God said. That sounds like what what. Somebody else said God said. Help me somebody. You see there were altered words in Eve's Bible. There were words that were changed. Not so subtle little differences like the E-T-H taking off the end of certain words. You can look at it for yourself. There were altered words. There were absent words. Oh how about the word freely? Look at the word freely in, in Adam's Bible. Verse number 16, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. All Satan wants to do is focus on what you can't have. All Satan wants to do is focus on what you're not allowed to do. He never wants to talk about what God allows you to do. Hey, don't leave out the word freely when you're talking about the word of God. Freely, freely. God's good, honey. God is good. God is good. You can freely eat everything you want. Oh, there were added words. Look at what she said. Neither shall you touch it. Y'all, God didn't say that. Huh? And all because Eve didn't live by her Bible. Adam did not live by his Bible. Sin entered in. The fall of man came because of a a different version of scriptures. Y'all wondering why it's such a big deal. That's why it's such a big deal. He gave us the breath of life. He gave us the blessing of labor. He gave us the Bible to live. Now Satan attacks it and sin twists it, but we still got it. I'm going to give you this. Look at verse number 18. It's the last one. I'm done right here. The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. (laughs) Oh my. It's not good. You know everything God said, he said it was good. Everything God said, he said it was good. In fact, in, in the end of chapter number one, he said it was very good. He got to chapter number two and he said, there's something that's not good. Something's not good at all. He says, it's not good that the man should be alone. And he gave him a bride to love. Are you with me? It's a little piece of paradise. You know what's attacked? You know what's under attack today? They call it, I'm pretty sure I'm going to show my ignorance. When they first started talking about the nuclear family, I didn't really know what they were talking about. I, I thought nuclear, I thought Chernobyl, you know, meltdown, are you with me? That's what I thought. I thought, yeah, I got a nuclear family. About every time we go to get ready for church, (laughs) mushroom cloud. I'm standing there and all of a sudden my face melts off. 
that's a nuclear family. That's not what it's talking about. No, it's talking about a, a father and a mother yeah. and the children. Do you know what's under attack now more than ever before? Can I get a witness? Oh, do you know what that is? That's a little piece of paradise. It's a little slice of heaven. God gave us a gift in the garden. Oh, my. So we got a Supreme Court justice don't know what a woman is, but let, me, let old Brother Bud tell you what a woman is. She's the crowning jewel of all creation. Do you know God broke his own rule? God ended his, he rested from his work in chapter number one. But he said, I'm going to break my rule. I'm going to create one last thing. Did you know that woman was the last thing God ever created? He took that rib. Y'all come here now. He could have took any bone. If he was going to do it with a bone, in fact, he could have just said it and it could have happened. Somebody say amen. But he took a rib bone, that bone closest to his heart, under his arm to be protected. Can I get a witness? Thank God it didn't take the, he didn't take the heel bone for you to step on her. Help me somebody. Didn't take that, didn't take that head bone neither. Help me somebody. Take the crown for her to lord over him. No, it's that rib bone. And you know that God could have made anything he wanted to make out of that rib? He could have made another man. <laughs> Thank God he didn't. Somebody help me now. Some old preacher said it's Adam and, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Sorry, Brother Steve. Wherever you're at, there's always a Steve. Huh? <laughs> Be a cold day in South Georgia, Brother Steve. Anyway. <laughs> he could have made, hey, he could have made several women. Thank God he only made one. Help me, somebody. Solomon was the wisest man in all the Bible. He had a thousand wives. He was wise, but he wasn't very smart. <laughs> Gifts from the garden. You know what? We got to live in a, in, a, in a fallen world. We got to live in a fallen world. We gotta live in a in a in a post in a post Genesis three life where there's sin and Satan attacks us. But you know that there are gifts that God gave to mankind that He intends for us to enjoy. And these four gifts is what it's how God intended us to live life. God intended us to live life and have it more abundantly.